Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Uh, oh, that was fun. That was a that was a brilliant, brilliant, fun little song that we played there in the beginning. There wasn't that great. Let's get into it, shall we? From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon. Welcome to yet another episode of the Three Beers In, the craft beer show bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm Dom and this is episode number 180 and this week we are drinking from Free Thought, located in Brooklyn, Paracosm. Paracosm. Now, um, this is something that always happens when I when I pause the show and move on to something else. I always try to make it seem like um, <clears throat> nothing happened, like the the, t- the the time didn't change or anything like that. But being that I've been gone for, oh, geez, hang on here, I have it written down. Last episode was the 11th of October, 2020. It's been over a month, people, been over a month. And that, in my estimation, is completely unacceptable. Well over a month. It's crazy. Things happened that are just so bizarre and out of control. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But before I dive into that, I just want to say that that song that was just played was the abominable Dr. Fibes uh, from a band called The Misfits off their American Psycho album, which dropped in, I believe... The mid-90s. I'm going to say 1995. Uh, it was the precursor to kind of like their instrumental before they kicked off the big the big uh, album there. And um, for those of you that are strictly, I only listen to Danzig Misfits, not the Mikhail Graves Misfits. That's fine. I like them both. It doesn't matter. It's my opinion, and I'm moving on. So where the fuck... Have I been? Yeah, let's just drop some F-bombs right off the bat, shall we? A lot of craziness has happened. Do I have to break out my calendar here to try to to try to try figure out exactly the chronological order of how everything went down? Nothing bad happened, so let me get that out of the way because it's kind of like I'm cliffhanging you guys right here and now that, ooh, excuse me, something had happened. Nothing had happened. The, the week after the episode, uh, I, I can't account for that. I can't account for the other week. I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure some, I was busy in some capacity. Then Halloween happened. I'm a little upset that I couldn't do a, like a spooky Halloween thing. I want to do like a monster mash thing. <clears throat> couldn't get to it um, because I got a daughter now and she was a little lamb. It was cute and social distancing, all that stuff, trying to keep things maintained and in order. What had happened was... Uh, close. Oh yeah, I had a couple things planned out in the weekends, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't make it down. There were sometimes that I, I I just had the opportunity, but like I I was just dead because sometimes you get in situations where you do so much, where you just need a like a weekend to just not do anything, and and then that happened a couple times, and then tragedy struck. And when I say that, I mean it. You know, obviously, um, sarcastically. Mm. Um, in the first or, or I think it was the second week of November on the weekend, your boy Dom here started feeling a little feverish. Oh my God. Feverish. Before I do, before I do a deep, deep dive, 
We're, we're in a little bit of a red alert right now here on Staten Island here at the time of this recording, the 22nd of November. I'm going to put this bad boy up as soon as I'm done. We're in a red alert. People are, are scrambling. It's going crazy. Apparently, COVID is kicking up yet again. This thing is just rearing its ugly face, and it is it is a dangerous, evil beast. And hopefully, um, we're going to be okay. But uh, what happened to me, right? So I started feeling feverish on the weekend. I believe the second week of November here, or the or the first week. I, I'm not going to try to do the times anymore, but this is what fucking happened, okay? Feeling feverish, not good, right? Um, and I'm like, maybe I'm just exhausted, maybe something's going on. Took the temperature, <clears throat> what was it? It was like 99.7. Now, I usually run cold. What does that mean? You could have a range, okay? I mean, everyone here is a medical professional, they understand, Sometimes I'm like, when I'm feeling normal, it's like 97.2. If you came down here right now with a thermometer and put it under my tongue or up my ass, because that's the old-fashioned way, whatever floats your boat, you will get a temperature of 97.2. Guaranteed. I put money on it. So what happened this time? 99.7? Now I know I went I went up too, too many degrees. Now I know I'm in trouble, right? So I start feeling a little, little weird, and um, it, it kept going up. The temperature started creeping up. We're nowhere, now we're over 100 this is bad. This is COVID territory right here. This is not good. I mean, I'm starting to have a low-key panic going on because I got I got people around me that just I can't afford for them to get sick, especially with this deadly, terrible plague that we have upon us. So I, I do what any good uh, employee does. You have to, uh, you know, inform your employer before you go to work that you have this situation. Now, what also happened was during the night while I'm th- um, I'm having this fever, I'm in the fever th- pitch, I guess is the word I want to use. I don't know. I don't probably not the right analogy, but I'm tossing, turning, sweating it out, fevering it, shivering it. Then there were some gastrointestinal problems. OK, I had to use the restroom and it was bad. OK, real bad. So I call up uh, my job. I let them know what's going on. They give me a number to call. I have to call. I get a physician on the line. Almost immediately, he's like, tell me exactly what's going on. I give him the full details of what's going on, including what happened in the bathroom. He goes, yeah, I'm putting you out of work because that sounds like COVID-19 to me, and I'm a doctor. I said, holy fuck. I said, this guy's a doctor, and this is what he has said to me. So what happens now? I got to go quarantine. I get thrown in the attic, for Christ's sake. I'm sitting up there like a a leper. And now I'm trying to go through my head of everyone that I've been around for two weeks prior, luckily, luckily, uh, there was I wasn't around anybody in that time frame. And and what's funny is I had the opportunity to be around some people during that time frame. As you know, Froggy, who has been on the show, he he has recently gotten married. Congratulations to Froggy and Diana. Uh, they couldn't have a big wedding, so they had a small ceremony, very private, uh, with close family. And uh, on Halloween night, which was a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday. They had invited people over. If I had gone there, I would have exposed all those people to these symptoms. So now I'm going through the Rolodex of who I've been around. There wasn't there. This is what's good about the way I've been handling COVID, right? The way I've been handling COVID. I very, very, very selective about who I'm around when I'm around them. Okay. Literally in the last month of my life, two months of my life, I could, I could name you the people that I've been around. You know, I haven't been in social situations where there are strangers around that I can't tell you who they are and this, that, and the third. So I've been very safe. And that's a really good thing about this whole thing. So now I'm fever, fevering it, 
fighting a fever. I'm going to say that because I keep I keep wanting to say fever pitching it, and I I think that means something entirely different. Wasn't that a movie with Jimmy Kim? No, not Jimmy Kimmel. The other guy, Josh Groban. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, the guy who was on SNL. Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. I think they fell in love. I don't know. That guy used to be a movie star, but now he has a show. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm tossing, turning, fevered. And so here's the thing, right? So the first thing I wanted to do is like, I got to get a test. Okay? So I go on the internet, and I'm like, where can I get me, myself a test now? I need to know right fucking now whether or not my immediate family, right, my DNA that's around me, do they have uh, COVID? Or are they been exposed to COVID? Because my parents are older, and they're they're in the same house as me. Though I live in the the apartment above, but you know, you you you, I'm still seeing them. So, we, uh, you know, I I find a Walgreens that does a rapid test, and the rapid test gets done. They said in 24 hours or so, right? So I call I call my job and I tell them that, and they're like, "No, you can't do the rapid test. You have to have the the real deal test that takes like a day or two to come back, like the one that they send out to a lab." Hang on, let me take this robe off. It's really warm in it now because I'm screaming and drinking. So they're like, you got to do the test that um, it takes a while. Rapid test, you get a lot of false positives and false negatives, a lot of bad information. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever you want me to do. So they're like, someone is going to call you. So a day goes by, two days go by. I keep telling my guys at the job, I'm like, no one is getting to me. What do I do? They're like, keep calling. I keep calling. When I call, they answer. They said, what's going on with you? I said, I need a test. They said, someone will call you with a test. Someone will call you for the test. Now we're damn near Friday-ish going into the weekend. I get a phone call, and they're like, hi, can I speak to you, Dominic? Uh, um, is this him? And I'm like, yeah, this is Dominic. And they're like, hi, um, so we're under the impression that you want to discuss the results of your test? I was like, fucking results? Lady, I don't, I've not taken a test because I was directed not to go and get a test. <coughs> and now you're telling me you want to discuss the results of a test that wasn't taken? What are you, mad woman? And she was like, no one called you? I'm like, no one called me. I'm sitting here in fucking limbo. I'm in hell. It was hell. And I didn't feel good. So now they were like, okay. Where do you live? I'm going to live in Staten Island. She goes, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the hospital, uh, and you're going to try to get a test there. I was like, I don't want to go to the hospital. That's like, I know COVID is out there. I'm still kind of not knowing. I don't want to go expose myself to COVID and, and, and then get it, trying to find out. What if I just had the shits? So then she says, okay. If you could find an urgent care on Staten Island, because I don't want to have to make you come all the way to Manhattan. If you can find an urgent care on Staten Island that does the non-24-hour test, you could just go there and do it. I said, fine. She says, also contact your doctor and see if they'll see you as well. I said, fine. So I call up my doctor, my primary. I basically told them the story I just told you. And the lady in line goes, you're not coming here. I'm like, what? I've never been turned down by a doctor before. Like, like she literally was just like, yeah, you, you, you're not coming here. Best of luck and click. Like you, you can't even go see your doctor anymore. But I finally found an urgent care that did the test that does the, um, the good one, apparently. And I got a negative and I was able to go back to work and stuff. But the thing was, there was a period of a whole week of my life where I, thankfully I got paid. Thank you to my employer and my union that represents me. 
I got paid and everything like that, but there was that period of time that is just lost in my life where it is what it is, and I actually got back to work on election day, which was interesting, and now um, and now here we are. So I'm healthy. I'm a happy, healthy baby boy, and I'm back. I'm drinking beer, and I'm doing three beers in. I'm just really glad about that. Quick thing that I wanted to bring up real uh, fast before I continue plugging along with the show. If you recall a few episodes ago, I don't know when's the last time you listened. By the way, looked at the this whole time I'm looking at the analytics. The numbers are just still coming in, and I love that. People are still listening and backdating it. Maybe that's because I, I don't do current events type stuff, and you could just listen in. Who knows? But thank you for listening, and keep it coming. I, um, I remember a, a few... Uh, I think it was a few episodes ago, I had said that they were uh, building something down the block from me that looked like it could be a brewery, and I just had my fingers crossed that somehow, some way, there'd be a brewery there. Oh, God, I just, my, my voice cracked. That there would be a brewery there that, that I could just have right down the street from me and stuff like that. It was It was a dream, because what it ended up being was the most Staten Island fucking thing that there is. All right, it became two storefronts. One of them was a fucking tanning salon called, what is it called? Sunbelievable. Oh my God, I want to throw up. Unless you want to advertise on Three Beers In, just contact me at www.threebeersin.com or threebeersin at gmail.com, two ends at the end. Uh, and then the other one was ACDC with the lightning bolt and everything. Completely stole the logo ACDC and it's a dance studio for children. Which is again, a very Staten Island thing. And this means no disrespect to anyone who may be in these professions or not, but most Staten Islanders have children that are in dance and they're usually like teachers. There's a lot of teachers on Staten Island and teachers have their children in dance. That's not a disrespectful thing. That's just an observation. That's just how it is. Let me just have another sip of beer here. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a tragedy right there, that that didn't come to fruition for me. But, it, I mean, look, what are you going to do? It was a pipe dream to begin with, but it was still something that, you know, for me, it was something that I was really banking on, but didn't happen. There's probably more stuff that I wanted to get to, uh, but I just can't. I probably just don't have it in my head right at this moment, but I do have to continue with the show and if it pops into my head I'll, I'll bring it up as we go along here so it's time for the hop of the week here ladies and gentlemen and this week episode 180 uh, we are I have a little notebook here with I'm actually doing well with the notebook here uh, we are doing a hop called Stickelbracht Stickelbracht now when you hear that you probably think it's from Germany or Austria Czech Republic something to that effect but it is not it is a dual-use New Zealand variety and another variety bred to stem the issues from black root rot that were present in the country of New Zealand during the mid-20th century. It was selected as a seedling in the 1970s from an open-pollinated first choice. And there's a hyperlink there. I might tap it. Uh, Strickle, stickle, bracked. I can't help but roll the R. Let me try not to roll it. Stickelbracht, I'm going to roll that R, Stickelbracht, uh, dominant aroma, uh, its dominant aroma comes from a high seneline and high myrcene, resulting in a somewhat English piney citrusy bouquet. 
So we have here the aromas of pine and citrus as for the bittering and aroma, and the alpha acid composition is 13%, anywhere from 13% to 14.2. And remember, the higher that percentage, the more bitter the beer is going to be. But this first choice hyperlink, I'm going to tap that right there, and we're going to get another hop in here, ladies and gentlemen. So i got to remember to write that down. Actually, I'm going to write that down right now before I forget, because I do like to keep a very strict, that was a burp, excuse me, log of everything that I do here on the show. So first choice. First choice is a New Zealand variety that was grown com- uh, commercially for 20 years between the 1960s and the 1980s. It is no longer in commercial production, likely a result of its low alpha content. It was selected by Dr. R.H.J. Robar at the Rewaka uh, Research Station. Much like its parent, California Cluster, it possesses high yield and growth potential, but is little. But has a little. Uh, there's not a lot going on in the flavor and the aroma profile. So yeah, very low alpha acid composition, about a 4.8 to 6.7. It's just one that probably didn't make the cut uh, when it came to the 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 hops. California Cluster. I'm just gonna go for that too because it's there, and I feel like they've been some duds here. So let me type in. Let me type in here. Cali Cluster. This is definitely one we've done before, but I'm gonna bring it up here anyway, and we're just gonna go for it. Generally considered to be indistinguishable from other cluster varieties, California Cluster is a true dual-use hop used prolifically by U.S. breweries in the early to mid 1900s. Clusters were widely available and cheap, providing a generic but pleasant bitterness and flavor. California's clusters' exact lineage is vague. The name itself is also representative of a number of different cluster varieties. The original California cluster, though, is widely noted as the parent of Calicross, uh, was uh, uh, successfully employed over 50 years ago to produce uh, different disease-resistant strains. Hopsmeister from uh, the Hopsmeister Hop Farm in Clear Lake, California, claimed to have reintroduced two of the original varieties of California Cluster and trademarked them Ivanhoe and Gargoyle. Uh, it is unclear exactly which cluster varieties they are, however, and we have here an alpha acid composition of anywhere between 5.5 to 8.5, and it's a bittering hop used for its generic generic hop bitterness and flavor. But a 5.5 to 8.5, that's a pretty wide range. In my opinion, also, that's not doesn't seem very, very bitter. It probably, I mean, it might be a pleasant hop to work with. Who knows? And I also see some more hops there that have hyperlinks that I will not hit because I will end up going down a rabbit hole of hops, which isn't a bad thing. But it's not something we're going to do here right now. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to talk about, right? So I was up in the attic because it's time to get down your Christmas stuff because it's time to, it's Christmas right away. I mean, Thanksgiving is happening this week coming up. I hope you're ready for that. But, oh, is today the 22nd or the 21st? Today's the 22nd. And then we have um, uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Hang on, I got to take a step back. We have um, the holidays coming. So I'm up in the attic getting the Christmas stuff. Excuse me. And I stumble upon a box. And in the box, it's about, oh my God, I would I would say about conservatively, about 180 photographs, right? I mean, there's just a whole bunch of pictures in there, and they're really old. I'm talking like the 10s here, people. Not 2010s, 1910s. And I think it was pictures from my great-great-grandmother on my, grandf- uh, my grandfather's side, so my mother's father. And, excuse me, I'm going through them. My father's, my grandfather's name was Walter. And I found 
baby pictures of him, uh, him and his brother growing up and stuff like that. And I'm looking at all these pictures, but uh, I found maybe maybe about 20% of the pictures that were there were of my grandfather and his brother and stuff, right? Uh, separate, of course. So the rest of them were people that I, I said to my mother, I was like, who are these people? You know, we're, we're trying to go through them and figure out who's who. We segregated like who we knew and who we didn't know. We knew my grandfather, Walter, his brother, Harold, and his other brother, Billy, all those brothers there, all born in the early, my, my grandfather was born in 1919, and Harold, I think, was born shortly after that in the 19, 1920 or something like that. So you're looking at just well over, you know, well, you know, well, well over, but you're looking at over 100 years old. I'm holding a picture that's 100 years old in my hand, you know, because it's my grandfather when he was four months old. And what they would do was they would, like, as soon as I guess they had the muscles to hold themselves up, they would just plop them down outside. They'd put a, they put a, this is what they did. And I think this is pretty cool. They put a rug outside on the front lawn and just put the baby on it and took pictures of it. And I also wonder, like, did you, did people just have access to their own camera in 1919? But apparently they did because they had all these photographs. But the majority of the pictures were of people that we don't know. But a part of my family, right? They're they're a part of my extended family. They, I share DNA with these people. This is the second time I brought up DNA on this episode. And I'm going to have to do a special episode on DNA, I guess. But anyway, but these are people that are, are forgotten. And, and like, I, I felt very humble for some reason in that moment. I mean, humble, I don't know. What's the word I want to bring up here of how I felt? But they're forgotten. I'm looking at faces of people that have lived lives, whether they were full lives or cut short, who knows? I don't know if they died when they were at an old age or something. I don't know if they tragically died somewhere. I don't know if they died while working on the docks. Who knows? But I felt so small in that moment. I mean, not insignificant small, but like so little in terms of like just life, right? Like I'm looking at these people and I'm looking at Pictures of them on vacation. There's pictures of them in Maryland, right? Where they, they took a car down to Maryland. They're taking pictures of the car and taking pictures of them in Maryland, taking pictures of them in, in front of things, smiling, happy. And I'm like, these people were living their, their full life to the happiest they could live it, were not rich by any means, and now they're gone. And, and it's just no one remembers them. And it just made me feel, not a, in a bad way, I didn't feel like, depressed small but it, it it aroused like a feeling in me that I just can't find the words for and it just I, I, I felt kind of not happy but I guess maybe happy-ish I don't know it's it's weird I'm gonna try to explain it here I am looking at these people that have no significance in the history of the world and now that you're I'm looking at at the time I mean you have millions of people that come and go when it comes to the world and civilization. And we worry so much about so much. We worry so much about so much. We worry, worry so much about so many things. And I guess in the end, it doesn't matter. Yes, I, I mean, I'm not saying we should all, uh, you know, take on a robe and go pray in a monastery somewhere. I'm saying it's just like one day. I mean, I'm going to face the same fate these people f- face. Of course, because that's just how life is. And I got a, a snapshot of them being as happy as possible, having great moments, and now they're forgotten. So we, we, we spend so much time and energy just worrying about 
things that are just probably out of our control. And what we should be focusing on is being able to drive down to Baltimore and take a picture in front of your car, you know, because you did that and you had a great time doing it. You know what I mean? Because one day the, 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 the show stops, you know, and I don't know. It was just so cool to look at and seeing my grandfather younger. He looked the same from when he was nine months old till the day he fucking died. It's unbelievable how the guy didn't change. The guy was wearing glasses at four months old, basically the same ones too, same prescription. It was, it was, it was just really something else, something to see. And then I was looking at his brother, Harold, because it looked like this was his brother's photo collection because the, they were both, they both served, they were both drafted in world war two. And we, I only saw pictures, we saw two or three of my grandfather in his service uniform and the rest were of Harold in his uniform also wherever he was doing boot camp and stuff like that with other people there. And they were all were just training together and there were just pictures of them and, you know, hugging each other, you know, arm in arm, you know, fooling around, just goofing off being young people. And um, it's just, it was really something special. It made me really want to just talk to my friends, like, like I mean, because I guess with the quarantine going on too, it makes you feel like there really is a lot you're missing right now. Life kind of is on hold, and even these people that are that are that were in the nineteen early nineteen tens, because I saw pictures from nineteen fourteen, because it was the other family. There they were just living it up, you know, and and here we are. We just we can't can't go anywhere, can't do anything. And, you know, that kind of sucks. So I can't wait for this fucking thing to be over. I've said it before. I can't wait to hit these breweries. I can't wait to get out there and live my life. I'm going to live a life. Man, I get, I'm going to pause this and get some beer. All right, everybody. I know it's the middle of the show, but I always forget to plug this show on my own show. Isn't that crazy? So check this out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could stop what you're doing, Go down to the review and give me five stars. It would be really, really great. If you even want to drop me a line there, that'd be cool too. Don't forget, you can visit www.3beersin.com. That's with two N's at the end. Right there, you can find the contact tab. You click that, you can drop me a line. Question, comment, concern, anything. I'll try to get it on the show. Not to mention, also, on that main website, that's where you can hit the merch tab and buy yourself some awesome Three Beers In gear. You like hoodies? We got hoodies. You like just regular t-shirts? We got that too. We even have cases for your phone, man. Are you afraid of websites? Don't worry. You can always just Google Three Beers In. Don't forget the two ends at the end. And you can find my Facebook. You can find my Twitter. You can see that I'm on Untapped. And you can also find other platforms in which to listen. Did you know that we're on Spotify? After the many years of doing this show, what really makes it all worthwhile is the fact that I get to come on down here drink some beer, and hang out with my pals. That's basically what it is. Everyone that listens to this show is a friend, is a family member. You guys are the reason I do it. Thank you so, so much. Share it to somebody else. Maybe they can get the feeling of the gemunichite while we do it. Who knows? We shall see. But thank you all again so very much. Thanks for listening to this commercial. And let's get on with the show, shall we? Hey! 
and it's time for the beer news. Thank you for listening to that little commercial. I got to remember to always play that commercial for you guys to just let you know what we've got going on here in this operation. And know that when you do buy our merch, you do help fund this operation. You buy me beer. You know, sometimes you might want to buy me a beer or two. Who knows? Right now I'm drinking a uh, a Bitburger, and I'm going to back that one up. I'm going to back that up with a Reisdorf Kolschreit afterwards while we go through the beer news. Big part of three beers in here is that we get to talk about the news that's going on all around the beer world, hopefully with a bit of a craft um, uh, slice to it. But um, anything uh, anything beer-related, we're going to talk about it right here, right now. And, <clears throat> woo, excuse me. Haven't been around in a while, so there's a lot of news to get to. First things first, let me move the microphone to where I'm reading so you can hear me. Uh, you could also get, oh, this is CBD. I wonder what that's all about. I've heard about it. CBD is apparently like, um, it's so when you smoke weed or ingest marijuana, um, the chemical THC is what gets you uh, high, that euphoria and all that stuff. But there's another chemical in it called CBD. And apparently CBD is, uh, it's supposed to like help with your anxiety. It's supposed to help you sleep or something like that. So no wonder why, that, why there's a CBD ad here, because this says coming from westbird.com, which is from Denver. And I believe it's all legal out there. Sorry for the, uh, the sip pauses, but I have to do it. Blue Moon shocks the beer world with a hazy pale ale at the GABF. With uh, at the a hazy pale ale GABF medal. Pardon me. Westword.com. Jonathan Shikes writes, <clears throat> When brewers hear the name of one of their beers called out at the annual Great American Beer Festival Awards Ceremony, their phones usually bro- blow up shortly thereafter with congratulatory texts and calls from friends relatives, and colleagues. John Legnard has that experience nearly 50 times over the course of 25 years of brewing in Colorado. But the most recent win for Moon Haze, a hazy pale ale, was especially satisfying. The beer beat out 136 competitors in the hazy-slash-juicy pale ale category to take the gold on October 16th. I'm going to open up the link. There's a hyperlink there that I want to see. If they, if I want, I want to see what it was up against because, well, I'll get to it in a moment here. Uh, I got so many instant messages. I mean, you could tell this guy's old. Instant messages. Uh, there are people from all over the country, both coasts, who said you just set uh, some people's world on fire. Legnard says. Article goes on to say that's because the brewery behind Blue uh, behind Moon Haze is Blue Moon Brewing Company Pub in Rhino. I, I guess that's. Uh, I don't know where Rhino is. I'm not going to look that up. But the company uh, behind Blue Moon, of course, is Molson Coors, a corporate-owned brewery. And, um, and okay, the guy writes here, uh, Blue Moon, Molson Coors, and corporate-owned breweries aren't supposed to win a medal in a category that was pioneered by small, sometimes quirky independent specialists like Trillium and Treehouse in Massachusetts, uh, Weld Works in Greeley, Monkish Brewing in Los Angeles, Bearded Irish in Tennessee, and Great Notion in Portland, Oregon. Wow, actually, hold on a second. I'm show- They're showing a picture of Moon Haze that won the gold medal, and it does look fucking great. I've won an awful lot of uh, GABF medals. Uh, 
you know, strong flex there from Legnard, who is the brewmaster and general manager of Blue Moon Rhino. I don't know what Rhino means. I'm just going to say Blue Moon from now on. It's apparently a, a place. I'm sure they have plenty of them. But that was probably one of the most rewarding because it was unexpected. Humble brag coming here. But also in its hot category, one of the categories that makes people stand up and take notice. Yeah, people are standing up and taking notice, all right. I'm going to try to angle this better. I feel like I'm not coming in clearly. In truth, no one should be surprised. Although Blue Moon is one of Miller Coors' top-selling brands nationwide and overseas, the original recipe was first brewed in 1995 at the Sandlot, a tiny brewing operation in the basement of Coors Field, and almost every new version of the beer was tested there. But since then, the Sandlot has gone to claim at least 45 GABF medals, while Blue Moon has only won 12. Legnard uh, was on hand for most of them, uh, most of the time. Listen, it's just going to be a fucking... I'm not going to read about this guy anymore, but we're going to talk about the juicy, hazy category. It has its guidelines, but it's a bit of a moving target in part because of just the fact that it is new and in part because also pale ales and IPAs themselves are intrinsically difficult to put into neat boxes of flavor, aroma, and appearance. And I think that is true. And it's hard for us to separate juice bombs from regular IPAs, double IPAs, imperial IPAs, triple IPAs. Like, you know, you have a whole mess of them right there. But the final version of what this guy did, he dry hopped with a healthy dose of Azeca, Eldorado, and Laurel hops, along with a powder made from whole dehydrated oranges. And it came up to 5.7% ABV. And, uh, and that was it. So, uh, you know, the title of this article says that they shocked the world. So they have, I mean, they must have places that are going year-round with groups of brewers that have decades of experience with a world-class analytical lab, okay, high-quality ingredients. Do you think that a place, like if that brewery down the street from me that ended up being a fucking dance studio and a tanning salon, do you think they have the access to dehydrated orange dust? Don't think so. So am I surprised? No. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. As a matter of fact, it's it's upsetting to me, matter of fact. Um, but I guess this competition is open to anybody who puts their... I mean, I guess it's an open competition, so if you happen to be one of the big breweries, then obviously you're going to... I mean, I give them credit for deciding to tap into um to tap into the hazy category but it's got to be alarming to a lot of um like those hard like hardcore craft fans like us because we don't want to see them starting to just tear market share away from places that need the funding to make awesome juice bombs and stuff like that because you know this is I mean it's going to have its metal right now but give it like six months, it's going to be toned down because they're looking at cost, you know, for their, their mass production. Next one up here, we from foodandwine.com, written by Mock, uh, Mike Pomranz. Waffle House is getting an official beer and it smells like bacon. Let me tell you a little something about Waffle House. The only Waffle House I ever got to go to was in Tampa, Florida, and I've never felt like I was moments away from getting stabbed 
watching someone get stabbed and be so satisfied with a meal in my life. I mean, that place is a coronary right there. I mean, you will have a heart attack after you go to Waffle House. I remember I had, oh God, what did I have? I think I had, of course I had the waffles, but I had grits with it. And I think I also had a side of corned beef hash and an egg. Um, And I didn't eat for two days after that because that's how full I was. Some chain restaurants are begging for their own beer. Sure, Dunkin' Coffee makes a sensible addition to a coffee porter. But how often are you drinking beer while eating Dunkin'? Taco Bell, on the other hand, how often are you eating Taco Bell after wrapping up a night out? Now, sorry, the burps coming through. Now, in the latter court, uh, that latter court uh, category there, uh, one of the chain's most synonymous with post-partying antics has finally collaborated on its own official beer, Waffle House. And oh yeah, it smells like bacon. I love you, Mike, for authoring an article like this. Um, only two short years ago, news broke that Waffle House location became the first ever to serve beer. Now the Georgia-based chain has collaborated on a beer in its honor, thanks to Oakney Brewing Company, located in Greensboro, Georgia, just over an hour east of Waffle House headquarters. Adding to the fun, Waffle House bacon and kegs, ha ha ha, (laughs) a 6.5% red ale, interesting, uh, is more than just a catchy name. Oh, wow. It's really nice looking. It's got like a beer mug with bacon next to it and a Waffle House uh, thing there. Bacon and kegs in the Waffle House font. That's really cute. The beloved scent of bacon stands out from the typical medium hop aroma of a red ale, the brewery explains. The malty sweetness of the base beer blends perfectly with the salty, savory, and smoky bacon extract to create a delicious, unique beer. Bacon and kegs pairs well with breakfast food items, obviously, and can be enjoyed as a standalone, soon-to-be iconic beer. This just sounds like you're going to throw up. I mean, look, in the context in which the article is being written, okay? It sounds like that you're going to already be fucking hammered. I mean, probably completely blitzed. And then you're going to go there to want the food, but you know you know that you're going to want to drink and that type of, because when you're on a rager and you've been drinking, there's nothing that can really stop you. You know, you don't need, when you're going to a waffle house or a diner after raging, I mean, I've ordered a fucking white Russian once at a diner when I was practically blacked out. What's the point of that? Nothing but a pathway of destruction. So this sounds like puke, but let's just keep going here to hammer home the theme the packaging, uh, the packaging displays the beer's name and the uh, iconic Waffle House sign. Okanee explained that despite Waffle House's side, the corporate staff is working with the chain with a very tight-knit, surprisingly receptive working small town. Blah, 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 blah. They're a small town place. Uh, for now, bacon and kegs is available at 6 pounds, 12-ounce cans or on draft for the go-to growl, uh, growlers there exclusively at the brewery at Greensboro starting Friday, December 18th. So it is up and coming. So if those of you that listen to our show that are close to the Greensboro area down there in Georgia, get down there and give yourself a chance to try out this Waffle House beer. But please do it before you had a night of drinking because I think you might puke. Next article here, I'm not going to go into the full thing because it's way too long for me to be talking about donuts like that. But um, uh, Donut Beer, Michigan Brewery at a, and gas station chain creates Donut Stop Believing. Ha 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 ha. 
Um, Pigeon Hill Brewing Company in uh, Muskegon has teamed up with Michigan-based Wesco Inc. to release Donut Stop Believing, uh, an ale inspired by the gas station's chain's popular chocolate-covered vanilla cream-filled Long Johns. The beer will be released beginning last Tuesday here, November 20. Uh, sorry, November 17, 2020. Uh, just a little bit here. Again, uh, Muskegon or Muskegon uh, out in Michigan. I know you're listening out there. We do have strong numbers from Michigan. Uh, it says here, my beer tasted like a Long John, and I liked it. I guess that's the, excuse me, what you call these types of donuts. It's Donut Stop Believing is a 5% ABV creation of the six-member brewing team at Pigeon Hill. So <clears throat> one of their two-stop top sellers there is their oatmeal cream pie brown ale and salted caramel porter. So although I thought I that is a beer I do not, don't not want to have, I would actually want to give it a shot because if their top sellers um, are these type of beers, it was, it's probably going to be a good, uh, a good offering from these guys. Uh, they approached us with the idea, and we kind of have a knack for these cookie beers. Uh, shoot, we probably would try a donut beer, says J.J. Westgate. Uh, so if you guys are uh, in the Michigan area and you're close to uh, um, if you're close to these gas stations, Wesco, which is apparently a, a gas station that is widespread. I think they have about 1,200 out there in Michigan. Try to get out there and get yourself a, uh, a do donut. Stop believing from Pigeon Hill. It might be tasty. Who knows? I got a lot of beer left here to drink before I get to the um, the show beer. So I'm trying to burn through these articles and also um, keep it under an hour because I have to do this. I got about 15 minutes left. And this beer I'm going to talk a lot about. I know that. So real quick, Guinness. This, I'm just going to read the headline here. Guinness recalls alcohol-free beer just two weeks after launch. I mean, honestly, who thought that was going to be a good idea? People who drink Guinness, especially over there. When I say over there, I mean across the pond. <clears throat> they take it very, very seriously. I had a friend who had, had had been there and said it was like a religious experience when he had went. And you know who we're talking about here, detective. So um, I really could not see how that would um, that would be a, uh, a good idea. I'm going to skip over a couple articles here and get to this one because I always love to... to um, Whatchamacallit? I'm so sorry. I'm I, I why do I why am I rushing? Calm down, Dom. Calm down. I always like to um shout out and talk about breweries that do charity and do good things for folks. And right here we have from the WashingtonBeerblog.com, uh honoring veterans Veterans Day with two very special col- uh, collaboration beers. This was on November 10th last month. Forward Operating Base Brewing of DuPont, Washington, teamed up with two other local breweries to create a pair of beers to commemorate Veterans Day and raise funds for veteran-focused causes. Rock or Something Double IPA and Until Valhalla IPA will be released at an event marking the occasion at Forward Operating Base Brewing on Veterans Day, which was Wednesday, uh, November 11th, from 3 to 10 Salute to the veterans. Thank you for your service. All tips and $1 per beer will go to 22 Until Valhalla Foundation, an organization that empowers veterans to battle suicide. Uh, One of the beers was brewed with Georgetown Brewing of Seattle, and the other was brewed with Task Force Brewing of Lakewood. 
Like FOB Brewing, the collaborating breweries have significant ties to the military. Both beers are brewed using Veterans Blend, a special blend of hops created by Yakima Chief Hops to benefit veteran-focused charities, which is really fucking great. There's so many layers of awesome that's going on here. I can't. Uh, that, this is really fantastic. Uh, the 2020 version of YCH Veterans Blend is made up of Idaho 7, HBC 692, Mosaic, Sabro, and HBC 630. Oh, I see. So it, it looks like every year, Yakima comes out with hops that we they will uh, propi- uh, not strictly proprietary, but it's a special blend that will benefit their, these charities, which is really cool. This year, FOB Brewing was a part of the selection team that designed the blend. Uh, for each pound sold, uh, the Yakima... Uh, Chief Hops was donating $4 to the Gary Sinise Foundation, an organization that serves American heroes and their families. This is really great. Rocker Something Double IPA was brewed in collaboration with Georgetown Brewing's Matt Edwards, R- Rick Denkirk, and Jack Trepatow, all veterans, along with Mac McTurnan, founder of the PNW Beer Lovers Group on Facebook. A portion of the proceeds from the sale of Rock or Something Double IPA benefits the Seattle Stand Down, an organization assisting military veterans and their families in every aspect of the military to civilian transition, providing one-stop access to various community and veteran affairs social services, focusing primarily on veterans that are either homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. Forward Operating Base Brewing, God bless you guys. You're doing a hell of a thing here by trying to help out veterans especially uh, with this past Veterans Day. Again, thank you to all of those that have served. Uh, It's really a special thing, and God bless you all, really and truly. All right, it's time for us to review the beer of the week here, ladies and gentlemen. And let me turn that down a little bit there. Uh, I can close the laptop now. And focus solely on the beer at hand. Bring over my notebook here. Free Thought out of Brooklyn, New York. Not a lot about them on the internet. Uh, couldn't find really anything about them. They had a website. It was very swanky looking. Uh, very modern. Not not too many beers there. So I think that they're ultra little and uh, selective with the brews that they uh, they create. But this is Free Thought. Paracosm, which was uh, listed as a Berliner Weiss, although probably an Imperial Berliner Weiss because they're usually, the Berliner Weisses are usually anywhere from like 2 to like 4% ABV. Never an 8%, which is this one right here. 8%. Crack that bad boy open. Oh. Ugh. Immediately get struck with that Berliner Weiss smell that I don't like. And we're pouring it out here. Uh, I never liked Berliner Weisses. I really didn't. I, I, I hadn't met one that I liked in my life. And I've, been, I've had a whole bunch of beer uh, during my time on this planet. Poured it out a little heavy on this one. So I got about two, let me see here. Yeah, two fingers ahead. It goes away pretty quickly. But when I look at the color here, let me turn that music down just a little bit more 
When I look at the color here, hold on one second. Let me do something here with the microphone. Fucking thing keeps cutting out on me. Try that there. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Okay, so we're coming in a little bit louder, so I apologize. Trying to keep it together here. Trying to, trying to, one man show here. I've said that many times before. We got a very pale yellow color here, very cloudy. Had the two fingers ahead, but it's going away pretty quickly. I could see it just dissipating in the glass here. Um, looks very carbonated, but again, like I said, that pale, pale straw yellow color. Uh, that's typical of a Berliner Weiss if it doesn't have like blueberries in it or something, because then you're going to have like a purplish, bluish hue to it. Um, I don't know what fruits are in here or anything like that, because they, if there are any, they didn't really mention anything in the... There was nothing on their website, and I couldn't find anything really on the internet about this thing. So it's it's fairly um, unknown. Uh, very carbonated, like I said. Has a good look to it uh, if you're a Berliner Weiss kind of guy. Cloudy as all hell. I can't see through it at all. And then let's get to the smell, shall we? I get, uh, So it's, there's a very faint but pleasant hop aroma to it. Nothing overbearing when it comes to the hops. I get like a fresh cut grass smell. Mixed with like a wet hay smell. The malt aroma is really coming through here very nicely here. Has that Berliner Weiss sour smell to it. Um, I uh, Berliner Weisses smell rotten to me. So it, it that's going to sound very off-putting, but that's just my... That's just what happens with me when I smell a Berliner Weiss. Or or not most sours, but Berliner Weisses for sure have like an off smell to me. And this one has it. I, I say like a garbage puke smell. And that, that sounds like, again, it sounds really bad when I say it. But believe it or not, I also smell like a pineapple there too, which is funny. Only here on Three Beers In will you hear garbage puke and pineapple. Let's get to this the taste here, shall we? That's so great. Oh my God. Paracosm. It's funny because the last beer that I did a month ago was um, Cosm of Darkness. And then we have Paracosm. That was a 12% ABV stout. But here we have an absolutely brilliant beer. Okay. I had it earlier in the night and now I'm having another one now. It's really unbelievable, okay? Okay? It tastes like a juice bomb with a touch of tartness, but with a dry finish that switches up the taste buds, okay, with like a sour salivation. So what do I mean by that? You know when you have like a a a sour candy or something sour, or you think about something sour, or you think about maybe like spicy food, you just feel your, your, uh, your the, the salivating glands just pulsate and just rush the mouth with saliva it sounds disgusting but that's what's happening here with this beer okay i'm gonna have another sip here mm. it's absolutely astonishing okay the turn of events that goes on here with this beer completely unexpected for me because like i said before i don't like berliner vices the carbonation is high but it's on point it's it's nothing that drive you crazy but you get a full flavor of like a pineapple and guava fruit. But it's not 
over the top. It's not like in your face with the sweetness. I got to go for it again here. Mm. This might be the only Berliner Weiss I've ever liked in my life. But let me read you. Hold on a second before I continue here. I got to read you the can. First of all, it's like a rainbow can with a keyhole in the middle. It's it's interesting looking. Very Willa Wonka. Willy, Willa Wonka. Willy Wonka-ish, I want to say. But it's a sour ale with pear, ginger, bay leaf, and milk sugar. And I'm going to be honest, based upon what they're saying in terms of the rating and based upon what I'm tasting, I mean, not the rating, what they're saying, I guess maybe the pear, I don't know. I, I'm pulling pineapple, and maybe that's all those flavors put together bring you that citrus pineapple flavor, but fucking bay leaf not coming through at all. The milk sugar, I'm thinking they're going to use, they're using, so the the milk sugar, I don't get it. I, I don't get this beer whatsoever, but I'm just going to explain to you what I taste, okay? What's on the can and what's coming through right now are two different things. And I said like a juice bomb with a touch of sour here. You know, you have like uh, uh, the pineapple and a guava fruit going on. And right behind that is a slight bitterness that goes down dry. Right, it goes down dry, but then you're just overwhelmed with this mouth-watering invitation for another sip, and that's from the tartness of the sour. Like it, it comes in and it comes correct. This is unlike any sour that I've had yet, unlike any Berliner Weiss that I've had yet, because usually some of those sours are just too sour for me, or taste like Berliner Weisses taste like taste like puke to me. You know, I was with the great Pete Sullivan, and we we had a Berliner Weiss from a fantastic brewery, Bolero Snort out of New Jersey, who just opened in the Meadowlands, and and they're 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 really great. Every every beer I've had from them, I loved, and him too. We, like we've always like when we've uh, we've done for we, we did beer tastings and stuff together. We've always liked Bolero Snort, but we we opened up their Berliner Weiss, and it was it was garbage. I I, I hated it. He hated it. We dumped it out. So. This is actually quite exciting for me that they they have it on Beer Advocate as a Berliner Weiss, but on the can here they write sour. I don't know. I don't know what this is, but all I know is that it is absolutely earth-shattering in terms of my surprise. I, I did not expect this whatsoever. I, I honestly say that right now. So that's it for the taste there. I mean... Overall, I'm just thoroughly impressed by this beer. I mean, the 8% is untraceable. Like, the fact that this is an 8% beer is moot. Like, you do not get the alcohol burn or an alcohol flavor at all. I almost, I'm almost, i almost at the point where I doubt that it's 8%. And the flavors are just so great. I highly recommend this beer. I mean, if, if I was given this as my first Berliner Weiss, I would say I'm a big fan. Oh, and then everything after that would be downhill. The tartness of the sour is is not overbearing. And I think that's so important. And then the rest, the rest of the flavors that are coming through. I'm not going to say, oh, it's almost like you're drinking like a margarita, but with beer. It's hard to put my finger on this. It really is. And I, I, I pride myself somewhat on my palate. Like, I've been drinking a lot of beer, 
over the years. That, that doesn't sound great, but I have been. And, you know, the last goes or sour, or I, I don't even think I did a Berliner Weiss on this, on this uh, show uh, for, I mean, for a while. But the first, I remember I did Colombian Necktie, which was from Nightmare Brewing Company. That was a goes, and that was a 8.7 on there and it had all the monikers here but but this one for certain is going to take the cake here in terms of a good in terms of a good rating here this is getting an a 9.4 ladies and gentlemen on the Mount Rushmore of the seasonal guest tap season 4 ladies and gentlemen write it down Paracosm coming from Free Thought, which is out of Brooklyn. One of the best sours I have had in my life. Berliner, Berliner Weiss. I'm going to hold them to that, that it's a Berliner Weiss because that's what they say. God, is it good. It, it is that good. And I, and I highly recommend it. If you can get your hands on it, go ahead out there and find it and and try it for yourself. I, I just think it's so pleasant and so good. I would I would have this again, to be honest. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for episode 180, uh, three beers in. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be back this weekend. Thanksgiving's coming up this Thursday. I give thanks for all of you that have been listening, uh, even during this hiatus that I've been on, this the longest one that I think I've ever been on since the uh, equipment got destroyed way back when. But thanks to you all. I'm back better than ever, and I really uh, hope for the best for all of you for Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great day full of turkey, family, love, and football. I'm going to see you guys next weekend. Take care, everybody. God bless. Love you all.